Well, I wanted to talk about, this is something we obviously know, but that we worship a God that exists. Why, why do I say that? Because obviously we know that the world will tell us that He doesn't, right? That you're praying to a fairy tale, or what do they call them, a spaghetti monster, or things like that. Yeah, these are just names they've given. So, I want to do, kind of start us off with going through um, from Romans chapter 1, 19 through 20. So it says, Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, that is, His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived, being understood by what has been made, so that they are without excuse. So there's a couple things going on here. That first verse is talking about the inner revelation that God gives every person that He exists. God is calling to people to repentance, whether they want to or not. He's calling them. But the second part is talking about that outer revelation, I guess you could say, through His creation, right? We see through the creation that God exists. And this is important because it helps helps to fortify somebody, you know? You can maybe get into a low spot, and, and this could be something that helps you in your faith, right? Because you can't help but look around and see all these things that God has made for you, right? Made for all of us. So this is what I wanted to focus on, which would be that second, that outer, that outer revelation that proves to us that God exists. Now this is not putting down the witness of the Holy Spirit by any means. This is just another aspect, right? So, those attributes that are mentioned in that verse, those, that eternal, there's eternal power and divine nature in creation. And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit more. And if you notice in there, very clearly in the verbiage, though it might be a little different in your in your translation, there it says, clearly perceived. So, we know that Scripture is God-breathed. And God is telling us that His external revelation is very clearly perceived by anyone. Right? You just Some people are hardened to it and they don't want to receive it. <clears throat> so, the other thing, though, is that 19 through 20 here is just more proof that there is a general call to all people to repentance, right? God is calling to everyone. God's will is that everyone would repent and believe in His Son, Jesus Christ. So let's talk about that outer revelation just a little bit. <clears throat> You know, this is something that is, it's kind of funny because, you know, if we were living in the dark ages, we would have some very flawed notions on, say, the universe or the galaxy that we live in, our planet even. 
right? Some people thought at one point that the earth was flat. Um, people have thought that the, that the sun revolved around the earth. Things like that, right? But the clearer that science has gotten, the clearer and the more evident it has been that God exists. Whether they want to admit it or not, they constantly are giving us more proof to it. So one of the things, gravity is a major, major attribute of our galaxy, of our universe, right? So I pulled some little bit of facts to talk about with that, to show how miraculous it is that we even exist, right? That the earth can sustain life, that the universe has the possibility of sustaining life. So, if gravity was altered by a minor aspect of, and this is going to be a lot of zeros here, point zero 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 zero. okay, all the way down to about 25 zeros, point one, right, with 25 zeros in there. If gravity was modified just a little bit to that degree, our sun wouldn't exist. Gravity would be so messed up, the moon would probably crash into the earth, right? That's how precise this, this place we live in has been made. You know, if, if the universe, they say if the universe expanded <clears throat> at a rate of one millionth slower that the earth wouldn't be able to sustain life right now. Now, regardless if you're somebody who thinks that the earth is millions or whatever billions of years old, or if you think it's 6,000, either way, it is saying that that expansion of the universe, if it was slowed a little bit, we wouldn't be able to live. That's how precise it was made. If the earth's crust was a little bit thicker or thinner, same situation, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to live because it would mess up the attributes of our atmosphere, our oxygen levels, things like that. You know, we have 21% oxygen on this earth, right? But if it was 25, 26, there'd be wildfires everywhere because you know like when you put a flame near an oxygen tank, same concept, too much oxygen. So we live in a precise, balanced uh, ecosystem here. That's how, how miraculous it is. There was, <clears throat> there's an astrophysicist, his name is Hugh Ross, and he did the calculations of all the constants and quantities in the universe that are needed. And there's about 122, he says. He says, for those to be right, on a planet just by luck, by luck for them to just happen the way that some atheists will say it does. For that to happen, the chances would be 1 in 10 with 135 zeros after it. That's the chances of us having life just out of luck, just happened. And anything past 10 to the 50th power, mathematicians will tell you is, is basically non-existent. It can't happen. So that's how miraculous it is that we exist. That the creation has been made so precisely that we can live. Because otherwise we wouldn't. 
So another thing would be, and this is all that external, that those things that are perceived. If you look at the person next to you, except for you, Dave. Nobody wants to sit next to you. <laughs> if you look at the person next to you, that is a miracle sitting next to you. A miracle. So if we were to take what is the smallest living organism, would be like an amoeba, right? They say that inside that amoeba, in one cell of the amoeba, of the amoeba there's enough information to fill 30 volumes of the Encyclopedia Britannica. So inside the entire amoeba, somewhere around a thousand sets of that. That's how much information is flowing around in that little thing. <laughs> Nevertheless, inside your human body, So, when you bring that up to the level of a human being, you're talking about two people come together, right? And when they combine their DNA, you end up with a completely indiv individualistic person with three billion characters of information written in their body that makes them a unique person. Right? And they're not just randomly thrown together. I mean, when you are conceived, your entire body has been mapped out. Your genetic dispositions to things have been mapped out. What color your eyes are going to be. All sorts of things, right? How tall you're going to be. That's how miraculous you are made. <clears throat> They say that if you were to read the characters in your DNA, if you were to read it out loud, you could do that. You read it every second for every night and day. It'd take you about 96 years to get through that. Mm -hmm. That information, that building block that makes you who you are. So Dave, start reading because you're going to... So, this is all important because these are all, as the Scripture is saying there, clearly perceived and understood that we are made to show that God has made us. That the mountains have been made by God, that the universe has been made by God, that we have a God who exists. Because these things can't just happen on their own. What do, what do I mean by that? The universe... Let's go step back to the broad spectrum, the universe itself. It couldn't have been made out of nothing. And this is the crux of the creation. The universe cannot be created out of nothing. What do I mean? Um, Diana's phone. Somebody was to walk up on that and see it. They had never seen a phone before in their life. They would probably assume at a certain point that it was designed by somebody. <clears throat> just by the features that it has on it. Well, the universe works that same way, the way I was telling you about those attributes that have to be just right for us to live. Your DNA, all these things. So, But the thing is, is that an entity like the universe can't exist prior to itself. Right? 
because you can't self-create. If there was nothing, nothing can't create something. And this is important because science points to a central point where the universe came into being. They call it the Big Bang. Yeah, they call it the Big Bang. The universe started at this one point, but before that there was nothing. So what this tells us is that the universe didn't always exist. But now it does, right? And you could trail off into some incoherencies and say, well, you're living in a simulation, things like that. But either way, there's still a universe at some point in there that you're, that you're thinking about. It still backs down to that central point that we began to exist, that the universe began to exist. Everything that begins has a cause, is what I'm getting at. And the universe exists, so the universe had a cause. Now that's important because we're getting back to the scripture here because if, the, if there was nothing, and suddenly there is something, and it has all these features, that means it has a cause that was external to it. Now we would call that cause God, right? <clears throat> and how do we know that, there, that this isn't just theory? Well, I mean, granted, I'm not a scientist, so I'm not going to claim that I've looked into these telescopes and seen it, but a lot of, telescope, a lot of scientists have. And what they saw in the 70s was when they confirmed that the universe was expanding. That's when they had built the Hubble telescope and they sent that up. And they see that the universe is constantly expanding and actually starting to lose energy as it expands. They even see a radiation echo. I don't know how it is they can see that, but somehow. They can see an, an echo from the explosion that they say created the universe when everything came into being out of nothing at that central point. So this is important because, like I said, science is telling us that there's a God. Science is telling us that the universe came out of nothing and that it has proof that it, from where it started. And this is important because, you know, somebody could tell you, like I said, the simulation, or they could say, well, this is the second time that this has happened or whatever. But either way, you, you end up regressing back to a beginning no matter how many times you try to throw something in front of it, right? Um, you know, like the... Uh, the Mormons will say that each person can become a god. Well, you have to start regressing back to a central point. You can't, you know, it's that it's that's why that's invalid. There is only one god. But even if you could do that, you would have to regress back to the main one. So, it's just eternal regression doesn't work. And there's another thing that people will say that maybe the universe is eternal. But I, I really struggle with that because if you were to think of the universe as being just eternal, always existed, right? That would mean that it existed eternally backwards in time, right? Well, if, some, if it existed backwards eternally, how would today ever come? Right? It wouldn't. We'd never get here because 
it existed eternally back that way, right? It's hard to wrap your mind about, around, but if it existed eternally backwards, you'll never get to today. It has to have a central point to start and a timeline to move forward. So the universe was created. <clears throat> and if the universe cannot be self-existent, this is the key here, there has to be a self-existent creator. That would be our God. Okay? That is our first cause that we were trying to get back to. If the universe could not cause itself, somebody, something, had to cause the universe. So that means that we have a God that lives and exists outside of the universe, in the universe, everywhere. Right? Because He created it. So I'm going to go through a couple... Couple attributes on what this first cause would have to be like. And of course, this first cause is God that we're talking about. And I'll talk to compare it with a little bit of scripture. So, in order for this first cause to have existed, this first cause would have to be supernatural in nature to do what he did, right? And the Bible tells us all these things, because in Genesis 1 1, in the beginning, God created. Heavens and the earth, right? As simple as it said, it still explains it all. You have to have supernatural attributes to do something like that, right? This cause would have to be powerful beyond our any of our comprehensions. Um, in Jeremiah 32, 17, it says, O oh Lord God, behold... You yourself have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. It's unfathomable that something could create all of time, all of space, all of matter, right? I mean, we can, we can, uh, we can apprehend it, but it's really hard to comprehend in full. So this cause would have to be eternal <clears throat> because, as it says in Psalms 90, verse 2, before the mountains were born or you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. It would have to be eternal because we have an uncreated creator. Right? We don't have an eternal regression of God's. We have an uncreated created creator who existed before time even existed. So this cause would have to be omnipresence, meaning everywhere, all at once, right? Not limited to any space. In Psalms 139, 7-10, it says, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take up the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your hand will take hold of me. So God is everywhere. 
everywhere. And if you think about that, he created everything, so it's not hard for him to be everywhere. He existed outside of it to begin with. So the cause would have to be timeless and changeless. In Malachi uh, 3.6, it says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, the sons of Jacob, have not come to an end. This God would have to be timeless and everlasting, changeless, unchanging attributes because His attributes are what set the universe in motion. Right? Otherwise, love, justice, all these things would not be consistent if God ever changed. So that cause would have to be immaterial in nature. John uh, 4.24 says, God is a spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. He existed before the material existed. And this is something that people often get wrong because how many times do you see somebody uh, make a caricature of God and it's an old man sitting upstairs with a long beard, sitting on the clouds or something like that, right? Looking down on the earth. God is a spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. Now, I guess you could say it gets a little complicated because Jesus Christ has come down and has a body. So in part... Jesus has a body now as our intercessor for us. But in general, God is not an old man up in the sky looking down, watching you with little binoculars or anything. So that cause has to be personal. And what I mean by that is that it has to have intent. Because it intentionally, God intentionally created the universe. Uh, Genesis 3.9, Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? So he's personable. It's not just a power like uh, gravity that can't talk to you, that can't make intent, right? God is more than that. God is personable. And that's why we exist. The cause must be infinite and singular because you can't have infinite infinites. There can only be one forever, which is God. Jeremiah 23-24 talks about this, saying, Can a person hide himself in hiding places so that I do not see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill the heavens and the earth, declares the Lord? And then in Deuteronomy 6-4, Hear Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So the God is everywhere. There's not multiple gods that are everywhere. There's only one God that can be everywhere. So the cause must be purposeful because like I said, creation was deliberate. Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for prosperity and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Now, this was to a certain people at that point, but that is still translated for us as well because God has a plan for every person. God has a plan for His creation as a whole. Just as He knew 
from the start that Jesus would be our reconciliation, right? For the foundations of the world. Now this part gets a little murky for some people, but the cause must be moral. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to be moral for the intent of what we were talking about originally, which would be that seeing that those external attributes, right? But nevertheless, it should be talked about because if the cause is not moral, we have some problems. If the cause is not moral, if God is not moral and does not give us moral laws in our hearts, there is no right or wrong on this earth because everything would just be subjective opinion, right? It wouldn't be wrong that I came up and stole your wallet because it's just opinion. There's no way to ground that right or wrong unless you have an absolute moral lawgiver saying what is right or wrong. You can't find right or wrong in the science books. So God has given us those laws because another cause here is that they, he must be caring. Otherwise, those laws would not have been given. Right? So, what I'm trying to get at through a long way here is that God's fingerprints are everywhere. They are everywhere. They are in front of you in the pew. They are in the sky when you look around. They are in your arms when you hold a child, when you hold your spouse. Everything. Because we have a God that exists. And we worship Him. We have, as I talked about, that DNA that is so miraculous that it could not have come about by chance. We have these moral laws. We have that creation of the universe that could not have happened on its own. Lest we had a God who purposefully did it for us. And these are all important <clears throat> because they all point to Him and he's, because He is calling to everyone so that they can accept or reject Him of their own free will. In uh, closure on this, uh, Psalms 90, verse 2, it says, For the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth. We said this one earlier, but I like it a lot. So, the, And the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. We worship a God that exists, and we live in a creation that points to Him non-stop if you open your eyes to see it.